you know me, you know that I am a people pleaser. I've confessed this before to you. I have confessed. I, <laughs> Kathy prayed for me this morning and said, Sam, may you not, like, may you not be thinking about what the people think of you but as you preach this morning, but may uh, you be presenting the Lord. And that is the very prayer I need. Kathy's downstairs working with the kids because she's a saint. But that is the very pray that I, prayer that I need to hear. Because goodness gracious, there is nothing I care more about, and to my shame I admit this, than what you think of me. Than um, you finding me to be worthy of your time. You finding me to be worthy of your of your listening, worthy of your friendship, worthy of, um, uh, of me giving the, having the opportunity to give you advice. That you see me as worthy to you. That's what I care about most, and in moments when I feel like I'm going to lose that, I shrivel and I get really scared, which is why I always get scared preaching. Because in this moment, I am on display, and you get to read the text and say, man, I don't know if Sam actually did that well. <laughs> um, all of my incompetency and all of my ignorance is on display. I want more than anything, more than anything to be worthy. I bring that up because I think that's a very common experience, and I think it's common for many of you too, though you may not struggle with people-pleasing. We want to be worthy. We want to be worthy with our... Uh, of, of recognition, of praise, of adoration. I was at a baseball game this week. Thank you to those who invited me. It was incredible. And I was um, sitting only a couple of seats back from Nellie. If you know who Nellie is, he's a big deal. He's a real big deal. And I could see him. And all of the players looked at him and gave him, you know, fist bumps. And all of the, like, the entire stadium, everyone in St. Louis that was tuning into that game knew that Nellie was there. He's become worthy of the praise of this city. He's become worthy of the, of the care. Now, I don't know if everyone believes that, but, but Bush Stadium recognized him. Bush Stadium knew he was there. We want that worthiness. We want that recognition. How do you think you'll get it? Is it through charitable deeds? Is it through being um, a proclaimer of justice in this city? Is it through your intelligence, your beauty, your athletic ability, your wit? your sarcastic jokes. What is it? What is it that's going to make you the goat? What is it that's going to make you worthy of recognition, worthy of notice? Friends, as one who's always chasing it and often is chasing it with more passion than I chase my Savior, I will admit to you. I know what the race feels like. Greg tells us all the time, get off that treadmill. If you are pursuing worthiness in your life, it will leave you ragged. It will destroy you. It will bring you to the end of yourself. We're going to look at a passage where someone's right there. Someone knows where he is. We're going to look at the good news for him, the good news for us. So would you look with me in Luke chapter 7, 1 through 10. Um, I would encourage you to keep your Bibles, if you can, open. Um, it's on page 1,602 of your pew Bibles. And I very, I like to, like, really, my structure is all based on the text, so it may be helpful. Um, here's what the text says. Would you read it with me? 
When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to, to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and he has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. This part is really beautiful. This part is really beautiful. Don't miss this in your life. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the servant, or returned to the house, and found the servant well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. We need to be shaped by it. We need to see you and your love for us, your amazement for us, your care for us, and the, your willingness to pursue us. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing. In your name I pray. Amen. Let me set some context for us. Jesus, in chapter 4, was in a synagogue. And in that synagogue, he quotes Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is announcing, I am bringing the kingdom with me. Here we go. Jump on board. And the next two chapters, he is healing people who are um, oppressed by demons, healing those who have leprosy and who are sick and near death. He's calling disciples to himself. And then he gets to chapter 6, and he has already declared, guys, he's already declared, and this is a really important word for this text, his authority on this earth. He's declared it over the sick, over the, um, over the sickness that uh, torments people, over the oppressive uh, spirits that torment people. He's declared it over people's lives as he says to the um, disciples, come and follow me, and they leave it all and they follow him. He's presented it to, uh, uh, in kind of painful ways, uh, uh, against the, the, the Jewish structures of the day, where um, he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I have the authority. I'm here with authority. And my authority is ushering in a new kingdom, a kingdom of grace, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom that will be centered on me. The kingdom is here and it is me. That's why I've been anointed. That's what I'm doing. And then in Luke chapter 6, he unveils 
the social structure and the social fabric of this community. It, Greg preached about it last week, and we've been preaching through kind of that Sermon on the Plains. That's what Luke calls it. Um, Luke, or Matthew calls it the Sermon on the Mount. They're probably the same sermon preached at different times um, and different locations. But Jesus, Jesus is in that sermon saying, this is what the ethics of the kingdom look like. And at the end, he says, build your life. Don't, don't forget the images you saw last week of the houses. Build your house, build your life on the pure foundation that is my word, that is who I am. I am the rock for you to build your life on. It's my authority. And beautifully, Jesus steps into Capernaum, right? That's what he does in this text. I'm, I'm just going to, he steps into Capernaum. He goes to Capernaum. And let me just tell you a little bit about Capernaum. We're down here lower, right? It's a small city, a couple hundred people. It's in a very sickly location. It's, it's kind of low in a valley, not far from the sea. I, I sometimes think of, and this is no diss to the city, I've not been there, I sometimes think of Houston, muggy, kind of depressed, in um, uh, like a gulf vibe, not necessarily vibrant and, and thriving. That may not be true of Houston, just to be clear, if you're from Houston, <laughs> I'm not throwing stones. But this is a sickly community, a, a community sorely oppressed and tormented by sickness. And sure enough, as Jesus is stepping into this context, there's a man who is at his wit's end. There is a man who's experiencing the sickness and the torment of this world, and it's the centurion in one sense. It's also the centurion's servant. The centurion is experiencing what we see in, in verse 2. There's a centurion. There is a, there, there a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, entimos. It, it, it could be valued highly or highly esteemed in kind of a financial um, idea or precious. This is one that, that this, the centurion holds to be precious. He loves this guy. He cares about this guy. Um, he, later, he, this person is called his pice or his little son, right? Not, not, it's not actually the term for son, but it's essentially uh, a name of, in, in, of intense endearment. This centurion loves this man. And this centurion is a Gentile. He's a commander. He's a man of authority. And he has this servant in this sickly little town who's paralyzed and on death's bed. And all of the worthiness of the world, all of the authority of the world will not save his servant. His servant's toast. His servant's gonna die. He's on his deathbed. And hope has come to Capernaum. Hope has come to this centurion. For, look at verse 3, then uh, the centurion heard, or hearing, which is, it's a um, participle, hearing of Jesus. The centurion heard of Jesus. He hears that Jesus has come. He hears of what the authority of Jesus wields. He hears of the power that Jesus has, and Jesus is his only hope for the man he loves for the one he cares about, for his servant. Friends, um, I chase worthiness. I chase um, desi people's desire of me. I want you to love me. 
But guess what? Your love for me won't do anything when Asher is on his deathbed. That's the truth. Your love for me won't do me anything when the people I love are at their end. I mean, it does do something. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't mean to. But you can't save him. My worthiness can't buy this kid, my, the one I love, their, their life. I can't trade my life for someone else. My worthiness, my recognition, my, um, my competency, whatever we look to in this life to say, that's what I am, I'm good, I can present to the world now. It is an idol, it is paper thin, and in the moments of tragedy, it will fail you. You'll experience it. I've got nothing in myself to save the one I love. Jesus meets us in tragedy. He meets us in the moments that are the most difficult for us to bear. When those that we love are nearing the end, when things are out of our control, when we're in pain, that's where Jesus meets us, and that's where Jesus' authority and healing come. Now, Jesus has walked into Capernaum. Friends, Jesus has walked into this building today with you. He's here. Have you heard of him? Have you heard of him? Have you heard of what he's doing? Have you heard of the ministry he is proclaiming? Have you heard that he loves you? Have you, have you heard that he has died the death for you, the death you deserve? Have you heard that he hung your sins up on the tree and they are not yours anymore? He's borne that curse and he bears it no more and neither do you. Now he walks with his father. He sits on the throne with all authority and his, this is his kingdom and you get to be part of it. Have you heard that? Do you know that? Do you believe it? Let's see what happens. First, we learn a little bit more about the centurion. Um, he sends, he sends uh, in verse, the second half of verse 3, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. This, did you guys hear it? I'm, I'm trying to be very obvious. This man deserves it. This man's a good man. He's done it. Look at what he's done. Look at what he's done. He built our synagogue. He loves our nation. This man is worthy of Jesus' compassion. This man is worthy of having Jesus come do something for him. Guys, I know, I know when you read it right there, after how we've, how we've been talking, you may say, yeah, that's, yeah, oh, that's not right. <laughs> but don't miss it. You live this. We live this. We think we're deserving. Or we don't think we're deserving. And therefore, we run from him. He couldn't forgive me. He couldn't accept me. If he only knew, if they only knew, or he should accept me. Lord, Lord, have we not done so much in your name? Have we not done for you? The kingdom is not about deserving. 
Jesus' kingdom in um, 632. If you love those who love you, what credit, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love, love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them that do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Jesus has already flipped this cultural um, sign on its head in his sermon. We are, we are dealing with something called the, um, the benefactor and uh, those who have been benefited their framework. The uh, Jewish elders deserve or owe a debt to their patron who has done something kind. They go to um, Jesus because they have to. Hey, this guy deserves it. He's done it. It's unheard of that the, the Jewish elders would recommend that Jesus act for a Gentile, for someone who's outside of the kingdom of faith. But they, they, they clearly make a case why. Look, he's not like the rest of the Gentiles, Jesus. He's not like the rest of those bad guys. He loves your nation. He loves our people. He's on our side. He cares about us. And he's made us our synagogue. What a synagogue is, is it's a, um, a, a place of gathering, much like a church, where kids are taught how to read the Torah on, a week, on like a daily basis, where the, the good news of the, of the Old Testament is preached to the people, where the culture of the Jewish people is strengthened and furnished. This is like someone, this is like someone building us a church. In a, in a city that doesn't have a church, and saying, hey, Christians, let me bless you. Right? That's what, that's what this, is, this action has done. And they're saying, this is a great action, and for this action, he deserves your kindness and grace. And Jesus so beautifully goes with them. He so beautifully goes with them, because his heart is for the servant who's dying and for the centurion, and for the whole picture that's going to be shown here, that what's going to happen. But notice, he doesn't say anything here. Jesus doesn't say anything until verse 9, which is crazy. The last two, the last, like, section of this text is when Jesus actually says something. He, he is going with them, and they're saying, this man is worthy, but he knows what's really happening. And he cares. And it's not because the man is worthy of Jesus' kindness. Friends, it's not because you are worthy. It's not because... You have done it. You've done enough to see his love, to experience his kindness and his life. It's something different. It's something different for which he moves to you. I would remind you of the hymn. That's how much further. I needed to skip all of those pages in my manuscript. Forgive me. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream, all the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. This he gives you, this he gives you. Tis the Spirit's rising theme. Let's pick up this story. 
where your, the paragraph breaks. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends. Notice this is friends that are, that's culturally equal people in your community. This is not someone who, these aren't people who owe him a debt. These are people who are right there with him. He sends friends to say to him, Curie, Lord, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. I am unworthy, Lord. I am unworthy. There is nothing I have done that demands you to come to me. I don't know if he heard what the, uh, the Jewish emissary, the Jewish elders had said. I don't know if he has been convicted. What I do know is that Jesus doesn't see this as manipulative. And Jesus doesn't see this as cunning. Jesus sees this as real. There is a man who is not basing anything on what he's done on a synagogue that has his name on it, on his love for the Jewish people and the beauty of their, of their culture. He's, he's, a, he's saying, no, I've got nothing. You don't even deserve to walk into my house. Or I don't even deserve to have you walk into, goodness gracious, I don't deserve to have you walk into my house. The Lord deserves to walk into any house he wants, just to be clear. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> Father, forgive me. Um, so, I don't deserve to have you come in. I don't deserve to have you here. I am unworthy. But fascinatingly, and this is so beautiful, he doesn't say, so don't heal my servant. So don't do anything for me. He says, so please heal my servant from a distance. I'm not worthy of you. I can't even have you come to me. But please don't stop coming to me. Please don't stop acting towards me in kindness and in love. I need you to do that. And guess what? I know what it means to have authority. This is where he picks up. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. Except for right now, the servant's not. Because the servant is paralyzed on the bed dying. This man has reached the end of his. He's reached the end of his authority. He knows it. He knows it. I get it. I'm a man of authority. You have greater authority, and your authority is the authority I need. You, Lord, are worthy. I am unworthy. Have compassion on me, and have compassion on my servant. Have compassion on me, and have compassion on my servant. Lord, I know what it's like to be a man of authority. You are a man of authority. And friends, Jesus is the man of authority. All authority has been given unto him. And he is worthy, as Elizabeth read, over and over and over. He is worthy, and he is bringing many sons and daughters into glory. He has called you. He will have compassion. He loves you. And notice what happens next. We're almost done. And I mean that. <laughs> notice what happens next. Jesus is astounded. He's amazed. He marvels. That's what the word is. He marvels. And he turns 
And he's like, guys, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. You guys know that your Lord is astounded by your faith, even though he gives it to you? Do you know that when he gives you faith, he says, wow, I love the way that looks on him. I love the way that that's reflected through her. I love when I see the faith of my people. It amazes me, it astounds me, and I love it. He delights in it. He never says, let your servant be healed, but we know that it is. The healing is not the most important part of this service, or the, of, of the most important part of this story. It's this moment, this moment of faith, this moment of faith that Jesus says, yes, you know you're not worthy. You know you bring nothing in your hands, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to you, I, your cross, I cling. Jesus says, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know. What faith? And the overflow of Jesus' kindness goes to his servant and he's healed. What faith in a Gentile? I have um, a story of one of my students, and I'm not going to name the name. I think the student... I think the student is awesome. When she was um, going into third grade, I believe, she saw Frozen for the first time, and she desperately wanted, she desperately wanted to have ice powers. She left the church, she left the movie theater with like this desperate desire to have ice powers. Um, and so she started praying, saying, Lord, I know you can give me ice powers. We're, we're talking about third, someone in third grade, right? So she's young. I'm pretty sure she was in third grade. Um, and she prayed that she would get ice powers, and she prayed that it would be revealed to her that she had it on this specific day when she would be in her classroom. And that specific day came, and she started putting her hands in positions to make the ice come out. Sadly, nothing happened. Well, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> and I, I don't know that she thinks of this as a moment uh, that, is, that she felt the love of her Lord And I can't say what the Lord felt. But guys, I'll tell you, I've prayed for things, and I have not put my hands in certain positions. I have not trusted that the Lord would give it to me. And she did. And I believe that the Lord looks at her and says, Wow, such faith. I have not seen faith like this in my son Sam. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. <laughs> He's kind. I've not seen faith like this. That's beautiful. I love that. And though he didn't give it to her, which is probably good for all of, I mean, if you, if you know this, the story of Frozen, the ice powers take time to, to figure out how to use it and someone may have gotten hurt. So <laughs> maybe it wasn't a good thing, but maybe that's why the Lord didn't give it to her. But um, here's someone who has faith. Friends, I've seen your faith. I've seen your faith in the hardest moments. Keith and I have cried over some of your faith. Greg has cried over some of your faith. My heart has been broken for you in the way you keep looking at your Savior. And I want you to know, you don't have to bring anything. You don't have to be so good. You don't have to be enough. Your Lord sees your faith, and he loves you, and he's proud of you. And he's amazed by you. 
just as he is as a centurion here. And he makes a declaration, or his whole life is this declaration, not by deserving, not by worth, but by faith in me. Your faith is in the rock. Your faith is in the one who has all authority, and it's all been given to him, and he will work. He will accomplish. He is with you, even in this really challenging season we're in now. Your Lord sees your faith, and he doesn't reject you, but he loves you. We're going to feed on him. We're going to taste and see that he loves us. We're going to taste and see that he's good, that he cares. Know it, friends. And if you are just hearing this today, this trust that the centurion shows to Jesus, it can be trust that you put in him as well. I'd invite you to do so and feel and experience his love and kindness to, your, to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your